Welcome to the Chasing Presence podcast, co-hosted by Santiago and Mike. This is a space where we share our insights for how to live a more spiritually aligned life. Join us on our journey to expand consciousness, live with purpose, and awaken to our true nature. Today, we are going to be talking about stress and anxiety and how to manage these energies that a lot of people struggle with on a day-to-day basis due to the varying factors in life that people have to deal with, whether it's work, relationships, um, physical ailments, whatever it might be in people's lives that are causing them stress and anxiety. It is something that can become overwhelming at times. It is something that can put people off of their path towards greatness and spiritual growth. And oftentimes people can feel consumed or overwhelmed by stress, by anxiety, and they don't know how to manage it effectively. And so they then turn to habits and coping mechanisms that aren't really good for them. A lot of people will smoke cigarettes, or they will drink alcohol, or they'll eat unhealthy food, or they'll watch porn, or they'll binge watch television. There are a variety of things that people will do to try to numb the pain, to try to escape their anxiety and escape their stress, even though it isn't really serving them and has long-term negative consequences. So we want to discuss some of the things that we do um, that are helpful in managing stress and anxiety in a healthy way that doesn't deplete your dopamine and that also has long-term benefits. And I know we've discussed many different things on this podcast that have to do with um, overall health and wellness. So I wanted to start off by talking about a couple of the things that I have done that we haven't talked about in depth as much, but that I have found to be helpful. So for me recently, I did start a new job at a company that has a very good mission. It's more aligned with my personal passions and beliefs. And so I'm very happy about that. But because it's a new job, um, it comes with a lot of new learnings, uh, learning the systems, learning the tools, the processes, how to do the job well. And so I'm working more hours than I usually would. And sometimes it gets me a little bit stressed out, especially in the beginning. And one of the things that I have been doing that has helped me to manage the stress is after work, I will usually go to a nearby park and I will do some grounding. And ground what grounding is, for people who aren't aware, is it is when you get your skin in contact with the earth. Um, so one of the best ways is soil. Soil is very conductive. Um, it can be sand. It can even be jumping in a natural body of water like a lake or the ocean. Um, it can be touching uh, grass or plant life foliage, just getting your skin, ideally either the soles of your feet or the palms of your hands in contact with, directly in contact with the earth and with nature, because those parts of your body are the most conductive. And when you do that, the the earth has a natural um, negative electromagnetic field and it resonates. And what it can do is it has a lot of healing properties that can help to bring your body back into balance. And it helps to um, basically charge your body with these negative electrons, which brings your body into balance. And in modern day society, people, a lot of people, especially if you live in a city or an urban environment, you very rarely will get your skin in contact with the earth because we wear shoes with rubber soles. And that basically negates the positive impact that the earth can have on you because you're not in direct contact with it. So I have found that simply going to a park or if you have access to more nature than that, that's great too. Um, And going and walking around barefoot has greatly helped me to feel more in touch with my own body, but also in touch with the earth itself. And it has a grounding effect. And so that is one of the things that I have done recently 
um, that's out of my normal toolbox of, you know, meditation, mindfulness, exercise, et cetera, that I have found to be very helpful. So not just going into nature, but actually physically getting in touch with it. So that's something that's been helpful for me. I'll talk about some of the other things as well soon. But Mike, has there been anything that you have um, recently incorporated that we haven't talked about in depth? I know we've obviously, we've, we'll, we'll go into some of the things again, like breath work and whatnot, but has, has there been anything different or new that you've incorporated that has helped you to manage your own stress or anxiety? So recently I've been incorporating a lot of different practices. I will say the most notable one, and we might have already touched upon it in previous episodes, but I'm going to talk about it again anyway, because I think it is extremely important. And that is this 478 breathing method that Whenever I notice that I'm experiencing anxiety or negative emotions or my thoughts are not where I want them to be, I'll immediately apply this method. And it's, it's, it's very simple. You breathe in for four seconds, you hold that for seven seconds, and then you exhale for eight seconds. And essentially what this is doing is it is, you know, w- when you're in a state of fight or flight or, or even minor stress, your sympathetic nervous system is is the part of your nervous system that is active. You have the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. And the parasympathetic is associated with, with calming feelings. It gets your brain waves into the alpha and theta states. So we want to, you know, recognize when we are are in this sympathetic nervous system state. And this breathing method, when you when you inhale for four seconds, hold it for seven and exhale for eight. When you exhale longer than you inhale, you actually act, well, not just through one breath, but as, as many as it takes. It depends on how active your sympathetic nervous system is. But when you exhale longer than you inhale, you will activate your parasympathetic nervous system. And then when this happens, it is a lot easier to actually use conscious will to control your thoughts to and to manage your anxiety. Because if you're in fight or flight, or if you're in the stressful state, you, yeah, you you still can manage with thoughts, but it, it is a lot more difficult when you're when your brain waves aren't where you want them to be. So the first thing, whenever I notice that I'm having stress or anxiety, is I immediately apply this method. I'll do it maybe five to ten times until I notice maybe I have less chest tightness or my heart rate slows down, and then I'll start focusing on my thoughts. I'll just be like, okay, what is causing me to feel like this? And immediately then I will start telling myself positive affirmations because at the end of the day, you know, everything that I'm experiencing, all these negative thoughts, they're all first world problems. They're all thoughts that have been conditioned into me by, by my childhood environment and, and society growing up. So I immediately tell myself that I have everything I could possibly need in this moment right now. You know, I, I am alive. I am healthy. I am awakened. And, you know, I tell myself these things every single time I have a negative thought. And then eventually my focus will come off of those negative thoughts and I'll come back into a state of of homeostasis and my parasympathetic nervous system will completely take over and then I'm good. And, you know, this, this doesn't just happen once throughout the day. This happens many different times because, you know, I, I experiment, I experienced a good amount of trauma when I was younger. So this this process is going to be very continual for you know the next few years throughout my life but it's this mindfulness and this breathing method personally that i've incorporated within the last 2 months that has really been help- helping me i've incorporated a lot of other practices and 
we will get into some more of those practices as well. So Sati, what, what are some of the other practices that you have been getting into or that you've been doing more long-term? Definitely. Um, yeah, breathing is huge and we can always talk about it more. We've done another episode specifically on breath work. So I encourage people to listen to that as well. Um, breathing is, is arguably the number one tool you can use. Um, but we'll, we'll talk about some other things as well. So there's the grounding, there's the breathing. Another thing that I've also been, um, been doing lately is shaking. And shaking is a one form of bioenergetics that basically literally all you do is you'll stand in, in, a, in, in one position and you'll just start shaking your body up and down and you'll kind of bounce up and down with your knees. You'll shake your arms out. If you look at certain animals like dogs, for example, usually after they, um, after they wake up or after they jump out of a, like a water after swimming, they'll like shake themselves off. Like you'll see certain animals do this shaking. You'll see um, certain animals that escape from a predator, like certain deer, gazelle, if they're able to escape from a predator that was close to killing them, they'll they'll literally start shaking their bodies. So shaking is a great way to actually release trauma. Not You're probably not going to have any kind of major release from it, but you're able to release a little bit of trauma that's stored in your body. And it's a good way to circulate energy through your body that's stagnant, that is causing you to feel anxious or stressed. So one of the things that I'll do um, either in the morning when I wake up or sometimes I'll do it like at the end of a workout is I'll literally, or after like a, an ice bath, I'll get out and I'll just start shaking my body. And that has helped me also to help me move energy through my body. And I can feel, I just feel lighter and less anxious and less stressed after I do that. So shaking is a method that some people will use. I found that to be very helpful and it's super simple to do. And you don't need to do it for a very long time. I'll do it for maybe like 30 to 45 seconds. Sometimes I'll maybe do it a little bit longer, like a minute or two. And if you do that, even just once a day, you'll probably notice a difference. It's not, I wouldn't consider it to be like a game changer. It's not like this, this huge thing that has revolutionized my well-being, but it is one extra thing you can do that's free, easily accessible. It doesn't require much effort or discipline that can help you to circulate energy through your body. Um, I've also done some other forms of bioenergetics as well. Um, I, I learned some of these from Elliot Hulse, who, you know, is, is a, is a strong man, um, some of his contact content now is a little more controversial, but back in the day, he would come out with a lot of content on bioenergetics. So one of the things he talks about is like breathing into your balls, right? Or breathing into your genital areas if you're a woman, you know, but this idea of breathing very deeply and diaphragmatically, but in certain positions. So it's hard for me to, to talk about it in detail on a podcast, but one of the positions is you basically stand up, you put your arms kind of at like a 45 degree angle above your head. And then you lean back as far as you can with your pelvis forward and you try to breathe as deeply as you can. And it's a very uncomfortable position to breathe in because you're, you're kind of off balance a little bit, but doing that, you will feel like when I do it, I feel my body like shaking as I'm doing it. Cause it's a very difficult form of breathing. And you try to breathe as deeply into your diaphragm as you can. And then you try to do that repeatedly. And that's a form of bioenergetics. Um, something else that's also very simple is like, moving like moving the muscles in your face and like making weird faces where like you open your jaw really big and you start like making noises um or like humming like so there are certain things that are kind of a little bit out there they're more fringe um they might make people feel out of their comfort zone but doing these things where you're just humming like mm, and then maybe you do that while you bounce right like maybe you bounce up and down a little bit and you start humming or um you open your your mouth really wide and start to do a humming noise like that. Like these are things that help to circulate and move energy through your body. 
and you're moving your body in ways that you aren't used to that can help to unlock stagnant energy that is maybe causing you to feel stress or anxiety. So shaking, humming, but different forms of bioenergetics um, can definitely be incorporated to help you to alleviate anxiety and stress. And so that's something that I've been, I, I've over the years, I've kind of been off on and off with them, but lately I've been experimenting with bioenergetics as well. Yeah, I'm starting to realize the the benefits of of bioenergetics and you know personally I get a lot of energy moving through my body whenever I do yoga. Um and there's a specific practice of yoga where you first start by doing traditional power yoga and then you move into long deep stretches and th- this give first it gets energy moving all throughout your body. And then once you start getting into the deep stretches, this is where, because your body is already warmed up, you can really start releasing some of that, some of that trauma, some of that energy that's been stored in these areas. So for anyone who like, you know, doesn't have time to do a lot of these things, but they just want to just, you know, get some exercise in the morning. I've said it so many times before yoga, yoga is so amazing. Um, for that. So just doing like a nice 45 minute yoga sesh where you're, you're doing yin yoga, which is mainly stretching, but also some power yoga. Uh, It's, it's a really good balanced exercise that also includes bioenergetics that can really kill a lot of birds with one stone. The one thing I think that not a lot of people talk about though. uh, Well, I mean, a lot of people talk about the benefits of meditation, but one thing I've been experimenting with recently is is long meditation sessions. So, you know, they, they say that, you know, oh, meditate for 15 minutes twice a day, all this stuff. But like, for me, I found that 15 minutes of meditation personally does not silence my mind to the point where, you know, I, I love life, you know? Um, and what, what I've been learning is, you know, if, if you really have time on, you know, during this healing journey or during this awakening journey of yours, then I posit that you, whenever you feel negative emotions or whenever you're not in alignment with your spirit or, you know, whatever you want to call it, that you literally meditate until it goes away. Like, and obviously this is not very practical because a lot, we, we have jobs, we have passions. We, this is what we, you know, we, we, we have other things that we need to do, but if you simply just sit in stillness until the negativity goes away every single time it happens, it's going to make healing a lot easier. And for me, I've noticed that, you know, I've been doing very long meditation sessions before I go to bed and getting into that deep state where I have absolutely no thoughts and I can just focus on certain parts of my body. Like for example, I um, have been noticing in the last three days that I've been experiencing some discomfort in certain parts of my body that, you know, I've been a little bit worried about that I might go to the doctor. But when I get into a really deep meditative state, which only happens during long meditation sessions, I can literally feel that part of my body getting healed. It's, it's something that I can't really describe. It's just like, it almost feels like my immune system is acting on those parts of my body only when I get into that deep meditative state, only when my thoughts are completely gone. Um, and I, I have not experienced this before just by doing short meditation sessions. So I would say that long meditation sessions, uh, you know, obviously monks 
and you know it's at spiritual retreats where you know people literally experience very quick healing uh, they have very long meditation sessions so I think there's you know a lot to be said about the benefits of just having a really long meditation session instead of doing quick ones uh, at least in my experience I feel like that has really helped me um, as well as like doing a long meditation session immediately and then doing the Wim Hof breathing method. Uh, I've found that doing those two things in tandem literally makes me love life. Yeah, it takes an hour out of your day, but if you're really dedicated to healing and managing your stress and anxiety, then you will do this because it helps so ridiculously much. And if you do this for 90 days straight, I promise you, you will notice a marked difference in your stress and anxiety and in your own reality, which is being created by your thoughts and feelings. But that is one of the, one I think something that is not talked about uh, enough in the practice of meditation is the the long sessions. Definitely. The, the longer sessions you do, the more likely you are to get into a deeper state where you're more present and the thoughts aren't as intrusive, um, which I don't want to say is the goal necessarily, but um, it definitely has a lot of benefits. And uh, it's harder when you, if you're doing these shorter sessions to, to get into that state. Obviously, if you're more experienced, more experienced meditator, and this is something that you do as like your life's calling, you can drop into those deep states right away. And then time just doesn't exist. But I'm not at that level. You're not at that level. I don't think anyone listening is at that level. So it's better to try to do longer sessions if you can, um, if you have the time to do so, but definitely work your way up to it. Um, another thing for, for me too is obviously the importance of good sleep. And we could talk about sleep for a long time, but one of the things that I think is really important that a lot of people drop the ball on is um, being exposed to bright light late at night or even early evening. So it's good to have certain triggers that can help you to know that it's time to go to bed. So for me, past a certain hour, I will turn on, I have red light bulbs in various places within my apartment. So I'll turn those on instead of the normal lights. And that alone is a trigger for me that it is time to wind down and start going to bed. And the red lights themselves are have a much lower luminosity and brightness. And so it's it's not emitting um, the same level, you know, normal lights emit some level of blue light as well. And so the red lights don't do that. And so you're able to start producing more melatonin, which helps you to wind down and go to sleep. I also have an app on my laptop called Iris, which if I, if I do decide to use it at night for whatever reason, if I have to do something on it, um, this app basically makes the screen red. And so um, that also, it makes like a dim red color. So I'm not having as much blue light emitted from it. And then I also have blue light blocking glasses that I'll wear as well if I'm going to be looking at screens or if for whatever reason um, I'm not able to use the red lights. But usually I'm using those red lights at night. That helps me transition into a better night's sleep. It helps me to calm my nervous system. And then maybe I'll do like some stretching or some foam rolling. Foam rolling is really good as well for to activate your parasympathetic nervous system. Um, Whereas if you're doing like a normal yoga session, that might get your heart rate up. So something like either a light stretching um, or foam rolling can be a really good way to tap into more of the parasympathetic nervous system, which can help you to um, kind of trigger yourself to go into a more restful state. So different sleep habits are important. I also turn on the AC in my apartment at night because it's good to have a cooler temperature um, when you go to sleep, which helps you to 
regulate um, your core body temperature to a level to where you're, you're able to optimize that deep sleep that you get. So if you're not getting good sleep, that is going to cause you to have all sorts of things out of sort and out of balance um, in your body, which is going to affect your mind, which is going to result in more stress and anxiety. I notice it. I notice a marked difference from when I get a good night's sleep versus when I don't. I tend to be more anxious, on edge, and stressed when I don't get a good night's sleep. So it's important to make sure that you're also practicing good sleep hygiene um, in order to optimize your well-being and your mental health. Some other tips um, that I use as well is I use a weighted blanket when I sleep. And that weighted blanket is, it may, it may, for some people, it's more of a preference thing. For some people, it may help. For some people, it might not. But for me, it just makes me feel just more grounded when I sleep. It just helps me to sleep, fall asleep more quickly. Um, it's something that has helped me as well. So you may want to look into getting a weighted blanket as well. Um, and then not eating too close to bedtime. So I usually don't eat two to three hours before going to bed because you don't want your body to be focused on and putting energy towards digestion when you're supposed to be sleeping because during that period of time, your body is supposed to be basically expending its energy towards other areas of your body that need to be healed and regulated. And so you don't want to go to bed on a full stomach. There's a lot you can do to optimize that. But I know for me, I take my sleep very seriously and that, that in and of itself um, takes a lot of pressure off of me to have to do a bunch of other things to manage my stress and anxiety because I've, I've come to a point where usually on an, on an average day, I don't I have a very minimal level of stress and anxiety. And I think a lot of that stems from having a very good, very good and consistent sleeping habits, making sure you're going to bed roughly the same time every night and waking up roughly the same time every morning, regardless of whether it's a weekend or a weekday. And that's going to be difficult for people who go out to bars and clubs on a Friday and Saturday night and drink alcohol. That, for a variety of reasons, is just going to throw off your circadian rhythm if you're drinking, if you're staying up late. And then it's going to throw off your circadian rhythm so that way you have to now catch up on the following days and you're constantly out of sync. And so it's going to cause you to not have um, high-quality sleep. And that's going to probably spill over into if it doesn't cause you to have stress and anxiety, it is definitely going to have negative effects somewhere else in your life. So you have to be paying attention to having consistent sleep, having good sleep hygiene, and looking into the various methods that you can use to optimize your sleep, because that will have a very positive impact on your stress and anxiety. Yeah. And yeah, sleep is incredibly important. Obviously, we, we heal a lot of, you know, what our body has, has um, dealt with throughout the day and some of the, the, the dead brain cells. I'm, I'm not, I'm not an expert on sleep. I'm not going to go into it, but I just, I know that a lot is taken care of your, your body's like sweeped out of some, some buildup throughout the day. Uh, so it's incredibly important to get that good sleep, um, to manage that stress and anxiety. And the, the other thing I'm going to say is that when it comes to managing that stress and anxiety, you need to understand what your vices are. Okay. So Number one, like, are you doing everything that you can possibly be doing to become the best version of yourself? So number one, you need to know what your vices are. And if you're still trying to get into this mode of being as conscious and self-aware as you possibly can, and you don't know what your vices are, or you don't really know yourself very well, you need to start journaling every single day. 
and you need to, and I've already talked about, I'm not going to go into detail about the stream of consciousness journaling where you just write and you allow your subconscious to speak and, and that's about it. Uh, and you just write for two to three pages. This is a way to understand what your vices are. This is if you're not conscious enough to already understand what they are and to just understand yourself better in general. So if you understand yourself and you understand what your vices are, if you want to manage your stress and anxiety better, you need to get rid of all your vices, all of them, like no, no exceptions, because that if, for example, my, one of, I, I've gotten rid of most of my vices. I used to personally vape, uh, uh, do weed every day, masturbate, play video games. I, I was in a really bad state in my life and it wasn't until I literally cut everything out, everything that I started to feel better because if you, you will get weighed down by the things that you know your higher self would not do, the best version of yourself would not do. And if you're not doing those things, and I feel like on a level, you should know what those things are. But if you don't, journal until you do. If you're not doing those things, then you need to just start. It's It, it really just depends on how dedicated you are to, to your own personal development and to becoming the best version of yourself. Because, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, becoming the best version of yourself is going to give you the most love, joy and gratitude in your life. And that should motivate you enough. But if it doesn't, because, you know, most of us have been taught a completely different belief system growing up and we need to we need to get to the point where we realize that we need to become the best version of ourselves in order to live the best and most fulfilling life. Um, we need to, you know, journal, understand what our vices are and get rid of all of them. You know, it's like, I, I still have my own vices even now. Like, for example, uh, I've got rid of most of my bad vices, but one of them is I put too much salt on the food that I eat. I eat incredibly healthy, but I really, really like salt. So I end up putting a little bit more sodium on my food than I would like. And I'm very aware of that. And I'm, I am trying to cut back. But the, the point is, like, even if you're not doing anything to actually get rid of your vices you should at least know what they are a lot of people they are completely unaware of some of these self-destructive habits that are you know not compounding the interest of of their own personal development so understand what those are first and then work on eradicating them because if you don't have vices it's 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 difficult to have stress and anxiety when you know you're doing the best, uh, your possible best to to take care of yourself, and and when when you're in that mindset, and when when you finally get to the point where some of these subconscious habits and vices are completely gone, it's a lot easier to manage your anxiety and stress, at least from my experience. But I feel like this is just this is just obvious. A lot of people who have stress and anxiety are usually addicted to something because they still have harboring trauma. So understanding what your vices are and cultivating that motivation and dedication to become the best version of yourself and just doing the work every day to slowly get rid of the vices are ultimately that, that, um, that base, that base of, of, but trust in yourself to take care of yourself is what is really going to help manage your anxiety and on top of all the other good habits that we've been talking about. Um, but I think, you know, developing that 
trust in yourself to know that you're doing the best that you possibly can to take care of yourself is ultimately going to be the help the source of the anxiety and stress. Obviously, you know, we are we are human, we will always experience anxiety and stress. So we need to know some of the methods to deal with it when it actually comes up. Um, And what one other thing I want to say is that stress is not necessarily a bad thing. Okay, so the, the reason why human civilization has survived as long as it has is guess what? Because of stress, because of that survival instinct that has allowed us to run away from the dangers, but in pre-civilization, and to to understand that you know sometimes the stress and the loneliness is telling us that we need to spend more time and give more and elicit more gratitude from other people. So because of this stress, we have a- been able to then build a civilization where we can become consciously awakened and evolve in, in, into essentially a new species. And by the way, when you are experiencing stress and anxiety before a public speaking event, that stress and anxiety, like for example, if, if you're noticing you know, a, a cougar is nearby, it heightens your senses. It literally makes you more alert and it makes you perform better. The problem is when you start thinking about how uncomfortable it feels. That's the problem. But the actual stress and anxiety itself is actually helping you survive in your waking state. So if you can cultivate this mindset that it's actually helping you in certain situations, in in a lot of situations, it's not because our body is really not accustomed to being in this society where, you know, we, where our boss makes a negative comment and we, we interpret that as fight or flight. Our body is not used to being in this environment. But if we can look at some of the situations like public speaking or, you know, telling your friends about some project that you're working on because you're afraid of judgment or, or fear of rejection, a lot of these things happen before you do them to heighten your awareness. And if you can just focus on your breath instead and be grateful for the stress response because it actually helps you, that mindset is going to help you a lot with stress and anxiety. And that's all I have to say about that. Of course, we definitely need stress, some degree of stress and anxiety as an impetus for us to take action and to do certain things and to accomplish certain tasks. And it's built into our physiological system that we are as humans. And the goal is not to completely eliminate stress or anxiety. It's just to make sure that it doesn't overwhelm you to a point where now you're, you are paralyzed and you're not taking action or you're scared to do that thing that you know can actually help you progress towards that next level in your life. You're scared to do, you know, to meet that person, you know, for, for a cup of coffee, or you're scared to approach that person that you want to talk to, or you're scared to, you know, take on that promotion or start that new business or, you know, incorporate a new practice or go to a certain event where you know that that could potentially aid you in your growth and development or where the stress and anxiety is to a point where it is causing you to have a diagnosable mental illness to the point where you know you, you have a hard time getting out of bed in the morning or you're now engaging in all these various vices that you know aren't good for you that's when it becomes an issue and going back to vices one of the most unfortunately normalized yet destructive vices that is out there in society right now is pornography And everyone just thinks that it's normal. Everyone watches it and we should all just do it. It's completely okay to do. And it's really not. And it's, it's one of the most 
degenerate and destructive habits that people can engage in. And I will speak specifically for men. It is really, really important that you try to, at the very least, explore the realm of NoFap. And if you want to take it one step further, see me retention. But, but if you don't want to take it that far, at least get rid of porn for your life from your life for I would say at least thirty days and see what effect that has on you. Because a lot of men who suffer from generalized anxiety, social anxiety, depression, st- um, chronic stress, a lot of that is being contributed to from their overuse and overconsumption of pornography. It is not a natural behavior for humans to engage in. We did not evolve to look at a screen where other people are engaging in choreographed and highly curated sexual acts that are, you know, shown to us repeatedly. um, And you can click through various videos very, very quickly and you're alone and you're stimulating yourself. That is not a natural way that we have evolved sexually. We have evolved sexually to be doing that in real life, in real time with another person, not watching other people do it on a computer screen or on your phone screen um, in a way that is literally designed to have you just unload unnatural amounts of dopamine um, without actually putting in the effort that is required to get a real reward. So I highly encourage people to look at that habit if you're engaged in it and try to overcome it and um, remove that from your life. We did an, an episode on abstinence. I highly encourage people to take a look at that, listen to that episode as well. Because I have noticed for myself that removing porn from my life has greatly improved my mental health as well. And one of the other things I also wanted to talk about is just certain lifestyle choices. So one of the one of the communities that I have started looking into more recently in the last few months has been simple living and minimalism. And these communities are basically founded upon the idea that we remove unnecessary stressors and material goods and commitments that don't really serve us. So sometimes, you know, you might be in a high stress job where you're working 60 to 80 hours a week. You have a boss who's super demanding. You have a culture that's super toxic. You may be making a lot of money, but it's causing you to literally crumble under the stress. Sometimes the good thing to do is to walk away from that job, you know, and take another job, even if you're not going to earn as much money for other people. Maybe you have way too many material possessions. You have like several cars, um, maybe you have a home that's super big that you don't even really need. That's, that takes a lot of your time to maintain. Um, maybe you're, you just have certain commitments in your life that you are doing, but it's complicating your life. And so you're overextending yourself into buying a bunch of things and, you know, committing yourself to certain social engagements that ultimately is just draining you rather than energizing you. And so simple living and minimalism, minimalism has to do with removing the unnecessary stressors from your life and scaling things down to a point to where you can now live more simply. You don't, you're not consumed by a ton of debt. You're not, you know, um, you're not in a job that requires you to give up your life. So you're living to work rather than working to live. There are certain lifestyle factors that you should be assessing to see, you know, is, is this aspect of my life really serving me? Is this something that I really want to commit myself to? Is this something that I really need in my life to be happy? A lot of people think, they need that high paying job or they need that new, the newest version of the iPhone, or they need to buy the new clothes. And all of this stuff is putting people into this cycle of, of maybe material wealth, but spiritual deprivation and spiritual impoverishment because they're looking to that next purchase or that next relationship or that next thing to make them happy. And they're teaching themselves 
that happiness is in the future and happiness will come when they've accumulated enough things and enough people and enough status. And that's just not the truth. So I really resonated with this idea of simple living and minimalism in order to reduce stress and anxiety. A lot of people are just doing too much and buying too much and committing themselves to too many things that aren't actually improving their well-being. Yes, it's good to be ambitious. It's good to strive for certain things, but you want to make sure that what you're striving for and what your ambitions are geared towards are actually serving yourself spiritually and not just materialistically. And so I think the vast majority of people in America have lost sight of that. You hear about the term keeping up with the Joneses. Everyone feels like they need to, oh, I need to travel because my friends are traveling or you know, everyone's traveling. So I need to take that next trip too, even though you might not even really enjoy being on that trip. There are people who, who they'll go on a trip and they'll be miserable the whole time and they spend thousands of dollars on it. And yeah, maybe they got the photo for Instagram or Facebook, but they didn't really enjoy it. And so you have to be very conscious and aware of what you're putting your time and your energy into and scaling down and removing the things from your life that are unnecessary. Because a lot of a lot of the time, stress and anxiety comes from those lifestyle choices and people doing things that they think is going to make them happy, but it really doesn't. And comparing themselves to other people and trying to get what other people have and thinking that if they can just outcompete and outearn or you know, just do more and achieve more and accumulate more than other people, than their neighbors and their family, than their friends, that that'll be the thing that finally gets them to the place where they've quote unquote made it. And that's just not true. I 100% agree. There's a lot of good tips in there. And the, the last thing I'm going to say is that when we experience stress and anxiety, it is our body's way of telling us something of giving us information and if we instead criticize that information and don't want it to exist that is a problem because that information is important it is telling you what you what you're currently putting your energy into what thoughts you're currently thinking that aren't serving you it is it is crucial information that you absolutely need to keep your ear open for because if you're at a job that's giving you stress and anxiety, that is the sign right there to walk away from that job. And of course, there's going to be parts of your job where it, parts of any job that you're going to experience short-term stress and anxiety. The problem is when this anxiety and stress becomes chronic. So you really need to listen to your body because if you're experiencing chronic stress and anxiety, even though you're a re reasonably happy individual and you're starting to notice yourself go down this path, that is your body's way of telling you that you need to take a different path. It is that simple. We need negative emotions to push us in the direction to find our best path in life. Because if you're taking a path in life that is not serving you, that is ultimately not your purpose of the reason why you are in this body on this planet then you're going to experience negative emotions and you should take that as a sign. You, you need to ask questions why you experience this anxiety that you experience so you can understand where you need to go in life. If we didn't experience negative emotions, you know, number one, positive emotions wouldn't, ex wouldn't experience, wouldn't be that, you know, wouldn't be that pleasurable because yin and yang, you know, you need to understand the, the bad in order to really appreciate the good, right? But at the same time, we, you know, we, we, we just need to be aware of our negative emotions and understand why they're happening 
and use that information to make to make rational and reasonable decisions to push us in the direction that is going to inevitably steer us away from that stress and anxiety. But if we have the mindset that whenever that stress and anxiety does appear in our life, you know, obviously not short-term because short-term stress and anxiety in certain situations is actually good. But if we start experiencing that chronic, then we need to reassess and we, maybe we need to journal. Maybe we need to meditate a little bit more to understand what's going on in that, in that, because we should not be experiencing long-term stress and anxiety as humans. We should not, it should only be short-term and that's it. So if we're experiencing long-term, something's wrong, you need to reassess, you need to listen to your body and you need to figure out the best path forward so that you can get to your best self and get to your best life. This is the one thing that we can control. We can we can control our stress and anxiety. We can choose the experience that we have. You know, one of my favorite quotes, God grant me the serenity to understand the things that I can't change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference, okay? There's a lot of things that we cannot control in life, but what we can control is our own thoughts and feelings and if anyone tells you anything differently, then they are delusional and they have been taught delusions when they were growing up. You can control your thoughts. You can control your experience. You can't control what other people do to you. That is something completely out of your control. And and you obviously, we are affected by other people in this society, but we need to cultivate the mindset that ultimately we control our response. You cannot control the world. You can only control your response. So when you have the mindset and you have that acceptance where you can't control everything, but you still listen to your body for those negative emotions to steer you in the direction of the path that is going to make you the happiest and and experience the most joy, love, and gratitude and spread that to others in your life, then you are on a good path. Right. And one of the things you mentioned there is focusing on what we can control, which is our own response and and not over-focusing on what other people are doing. That is a very a part of stoic philosophy, which I think we should talk about more on another episode specifically, but look into stoicism. It can be very, very incredible and, and it provides a very good framework for uh, managing stress and anxiety and all the different things that happen in life. So I, I do want to do another episode on that. And then obviously also Buddhism you know, is, is a very good um, practice as well because it's you don't have to necessarily believe in in God if that's not your thing, but Buddhism has very like, you could argue, um, well, I don't want to, I don't want to like define Buddhism, but, but it has a lot of, of great principles and practices that you can utilize to manage stress and anxiety. And the, anyway, the thing I want to end on really is this idea of incorporating as a last, as a last piece of advice is incorporating gratitude and service into your life. Because a lot of times stress and anxiety comes from an overactive ego where you're thinking me, 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 my problems, my hardships, my life, what do I need? What do I want? Even if you're being spiritual about it, like I want to manifest this, I want to attract this. It's all very much centered on yourself. And this can cause your ego to become inflated and it can be in an inflated ego can cause you to, to um, enter into more negative states, states of chronic stress, chronic anxiety, dissatisfaction with life. But if you focus on gratitude and service, you are not putting the focus and attention on other people and life itself into you know a higher power if you believe in that 
And so when you do that, when you practice gratitude, when you do things to be of service to other people and to society in various ways, it helps you to put your attention and your focus out into benefiting other people and to focusing on what you do have in life and what you can be grateful for. And it can be very, very simple things that you focus on your gratitude for. And doing that can help to shift your perspective and can help to alleviate the various forms of stress and anxiety that are plaguing your well-being and causing you to not live the life that you want to live. And so paradoxically, by shifting the attention outside of yourself in a positive way, not in a negative way, it can help you to recalibrate your ego so that it isn't overinflated. And so you're not thinking about yourself and what you want and what you need all the time, because that's oftentimes where a sense of lack and stress and all of these other negative emotions comes from. So focus on what you do have, what you're grateful for. Like Mike said, you have everything that you need right here, right now. The universe has given you what you need, even if it doesn't seem that way in the moment. If you focus on what you can control, if you focus on managing your thoughts, managing your emotions, incorporating the various tools and disciplines that we've talked about today, you will be able to improve your well-being and you'll gain momentum and that'll snowball into a more positive effect that you can then enter into the states and the emotional well-being and to have and manifest and attract the life that you really want to live. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Chasing Presence podcast. If you enjoyed it, please spread the word by telling your family and friends and by sharing it on social media. You can also show us your support by leaving a review. Also, if you'd like to get in touch with us, our contact information is in the show notes. Please send us a message as we'd love to hear from you and get your feedback. As always, thanks again for listening. Stay present and have a great day.